0: good morning it's wonderful to be here and be with everyone so glad that you could be with us today and take the time to be here uh had a great week has been said the kids have worked tremendously hard uh michael has done an excellent job if if these guys would uh, have scheduled a better preacher it'd probably been an even better meeting but i've enjoyed being here and i've benefited greatly from it i appreciate so much this congregation and the work that they've done this week thank you for letting me be here to be a part of your labors i've enjoyed it Uh, I've enjoyed getting to visit with some of you, and some of you get to know better that I didn't know as well, and and get to catch up with some of you that I have known for a while. Thank you so much for that, and I pray that the time that we've spent together has been as much a blessing to you as it has been to me. We had read for us this morning 2 Timothy chapter 4, and as we kind of begin to wrap up this series that we begun last Sunday, that is uh, training yourself or exercising yourself towards godliness, I want to talk to you a little bit in the last couple of things that uh, sermons that we have or lessons that we have about finishing strong, about having the right focus as we push through. And really kind of this morning we're going to talk a little bit about challenges to training, how those are overcome by grace. If you were with us last night after services, you could kind of see that it was Saturday night after a long week of work. It was a Saturday night after a lot of activities and a lot of work had gone on. Everybody kind of was moving a little bit slower in slow motion. People were looking for their mom to lay their head on her shoulder and find a little rest. And that kind of happens when we work hard like that. We get tired and we get exhausted. You know, I believe that happens to us as well. Spiritually at times we hit a wall. And I think what we read there in 2 Timothy kind of represents in Paul in some way of hitting that wall a winter time, if you will. He talked to him in verse 9 and said, Come to me shortly. come, Come quickly and bring those things. Paul was missing some companionship, kind of feeling alone. In fact, he says before in verse 20 there, Do thy diligence to come before winter. I think Paul kind of saw that as... His life being over. In fact, if you read earlier in the book, Paul thinks that that this is it, that he's going to die after this. We know from history that wasn't the case, but Paul felt that way as he began to write this and was going through a a difficult time, a winter time in Christianity, if you will. And I think all of us, as we talked this week about exercising ourselves towards godliness, whether it's becoming more of what God wants me to become, whether it's overcoming sins in my life, sinful patterns and retraining those, retraining the way I think, retraining the way I use my tongue, retraining the way I uh, use my body, all of those things, strengthening my relationships, trying to improve the relationships that have gone sour. All of those things, we hit a point at times where we feel like we're going through a winter time that we're not seeing progress. And I think there's some certain challenges that come to you and I as we battle Christianity, as we strive to become, through the strength of God, what He's called us to. One of those challenges, I believe, is what I would call badges of validation. There's a pressure, and we've talked a lot this week about the pressure to, uh, our peer pressure, the pressure to conform to those around us. And, And a lot of times, it's really easy for us to fall into the trap of going, well, look at me. Look what I've done. And, and this validates and this proves I'm really a good Christian. This makes me the kind of person that God wants me to be. And see, I can point to my badges. I can point to my accomplishments and say, see, I know I'm on the right track. And there's this tendency to be, to be challenged by getting our focus off instead of on God, on ourselves and what we've accomplished and what we've not done. I think another type of challenge that we could talk about is when we don't see the success against sin in our life, when we continue to struggle against the same thing over and over, and and we conclude, I'm not good enough. I really don't belong with this group. Look at all these changed lives. Look how good they're doing. And there's me. the truth is, we know ourselves better than we know everybody else, and we think we're not good enough, and we think everybody else's life is okay, but when we look at them, we say, I'm just not part of that group. And I'm not Quite there. I'm not quite good enough. And that kind of takes the spirit out of us, takes the wind out of ourselves, and we want to sit down. Another type of challenge that you might think of is a challenge of measuring up, not against each other. That's more under the challenge of uh, badges or recognition, but the challenge of, or the disappointment of where you thought you would be somewhere by now, but you're not there. You gave yourself six months to memorize this book and. It's six months later and you still don't know it. You still, you, you've put in the work and you've tried and you've challenged and you really thought that by this time you would see some progress in your life and, and that progress just isn't there. And that becomes very disheartening, very challenging. And there's a lot of different things that we could talk about that are this idea of hitting a wall, of hitting a winter time where our spirit has gone from us, the energy is zapped, we're just tired. And I want you to know this morning, we're not the first Christians that faced that. In fact, if you have a Bible in Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about some Christians that faced something very similar beginning here in verse 32. He says, But call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions, partly whilst you were made a gazing stock, both by, by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you became companions of them that were so used. For you had compassion of me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward, for you have need of patience, of staying power, that if you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise, for yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. You know, I don't know that we fully know what was happening here in the book of Hebrews, but we understand at least a little bit that there were these Hebrew Christians, this Jewish Christians converted from from Judaism that for some reason were beginning to waver. They were wanting to turn back. We don't know if it was persecution. That's pretty high on the list of things that would be there. Maybe it was from peer pressure from the family that they walked away from was finally getting to them. Maybe it had had to do with how long it had been since they were told Christ was going to return and the actual return. They're going, listen, I don't see it happening. And I'm battling, I'm fighting. But he said, listen, you need staying power. You need to be able to stay in that fight. After a little while, you've done the will of God and you might receive the promise. There were some individuals, they felt like giving up. They felt like quitting. I want to say you and I struggle with that same principle here. They felt like quitting. We feel like at times, maybe not completely quitting, completely walking away from the church and running, but that idea of just sitting down for a while, taking a break, stop battling that sin, Stop trying to become this. Stop growing as a Christian and just start going through the motions. I may show up every Sunday. I may continue to sing the songs. I may continue to smile. I may continue to go to Bible studies with everybody. But inwardly, I've just kind of called a truth and said, I need a break. i got to stop. I want to tell you that there's an answer to that challenge to push through that's beyond you and me. It's not about you and I, and that's where we're going to get that strength. The answer that we're going to find, as we saw this morning, uh, is challenges to great or challenges to training overcome by grace, and that's where we're going to find the answer to push through in those difficult days. That's where we're going to find the motivation to get up when we don't feel like getting up. That's where we're going to find the encouragement to continue on when we don't feel like continuing on in the battle is by grace through faith. You know. When you stop and really contemplate salvation, you and I were saved by grace through faith. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that it's by grace we've been saved, not of ourselves. It's not something that we did. Yes, we responded. That's the faith part, but it was God that had grace and God that had mercy towards us in sending His Son. And we're saved by faith when we respond to that grace. Colossians 2 talks about that when it says there in verse 11 that we're buried with Him in baptism wherein we're risen with Him through faith in the operation of God. We're saved by God's grace and our faith in that. That God, you're going to do what you said you were going to do when I respond the way you've asked me to. You're going to keep your promise. You know, that's what faith really is when we boil it down. Faith is my expression to God saying, I trust that you're going to keep the promises you made and those promises are your grace. I trust that you're going to forgive me when I get buried in water. There's nothing about this water that in and of itself can take away sins. There's nothing in and of itself of just pushing someone beneath water and pulling back up that takes away sin. But God, you said when I do that, you'll take away my sins. And I'm trusting your grace, so I'm going to do that. And that's being saved by grace through faith. And it's that same principle of grace through faith That we're able to find the courage, find the motivation, find the conviction to continue on in those battles when we've hit the wall, when we're looking for our second wind. You know, grace is a wonderful blessing from God, but it's not just a license for you and I to sin. Romans chapter 12, or pardon me, Romans chapter 6, beginning there in verse 1, the Bible says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Knowing that God is gracious, knowing that he's merciful and wants to sin or wants to forgive our sins isn't a license for you and I to go, listen, uh, you know, I'm just going to quit and give up for a little bit and go enjoy the sin. Because after all, God's a gracious God. His mercy endures forever. And, and, you know, it's not that big a deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. My sin sent him to the cross. And he said, how shall, how shall we continue in sin if we're dead to that? But there's still grace and mercy. That grace and mercy doesn't encourage me to go commit sin. doesn't give me the license to say how you live doesn't matter. In fact, it's going to teach me just the opposite. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace is not a crutch that I lean on. In Luke chapter 17 and verse 10, the Bible says here, Jesus speaking, So likewise, when you have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which is our duty to do. Sometimes we take this attitude here and kind of twist it a little bit and go, well, you know, God knows I'm a sinner. God knows my family always has struggled with gossip and that's just my weakness. And we begin to use God's grace, God's mercy, knowing that he wants to forgive us, knowing that he wants to restore us as a crutch to rely on. Instead of dealing with the sin in my life, instead of fixing those relationships that are wrong, I just trust the grace of God as a crutch to get me through. And let's understand, that's not what grace is about. The grace that saved us, the grace that wants to empower us to finish the race, the grace that wants to empower you and I to battle sin in our life, is not a license, it's not a, a, a crutch, rather it's empowering. Notice if you will here, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10, the Apostle Paul talking about grace in his life. He said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. I don't know any of us could say anything more than that. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. He said, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was within me. You know what Paul's talking about here is he says, when I look at my life, it's only that I'm here but by God's grace. It was God's grace and God's mercy that called me. And and he didn't bestow that grace in vain because I've worked hard. I've labored. I've put in that spiritual sweat, that holy sweat that we've talked about this week. He said, I had a lot farther to go than all the other disciples. I was a lot farther away than they were. And I've worked and I've labored. But it wasn't me. It wasn't about my strength. It was the grace of God that empowered me to become what I am. You know, Paul in this is saying... The same thing that we've been talking about all week, that God's grace, that God's mercy is what empowers us to make those changes, to take those steps, to challenge how we think, to challenge how we talk, to challenge how we behave. It's God's grace, but that grace is me doing what God wants me to do. It's grace that empowers me to try to change. Instead of relying on my strength and my abilities, listen, at the end of the day, I can't consistently do it. And most of the time, I can't even get myself to take the first steps to do it. But God's grace gives me the courage to step out and do that. It gives me the strength to say, Mike, it's not about your ability to do this successfully or perfectly. It's about you stepping out in grace, in faith, in God, and doing what he's asked you to do. Notice, if you will, he says grace is sufficient. Paul talking about the challenge in his life when he prayed to the Lord three times to remove a thorn out of his flesh. I've got my opinion on what that is and I think everybody has their opinion on what that is but regardless of what that thorn in the flesh was Paul said God I need this out of my life and God said to him my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness most gladly therefore will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ will rest upon me. Paul's not saying as he goes on and talks about glorying in his weakness and glorying in his infirmities he's not going I'm going to rejoice that I'm a sinner. I'm going to go have fun and all the sinners because it shows how gracious God is. That's not the point. He's saying, listen, I am made perfect when I recognize my weakness and become completely dependent upon God's grace and God's mercy. That's why grace is sufficient. That's why it's not grace plus my strength. That's not enough. Grace alone is enough. If I try to add my strength to the grace, I mess it up and I'm going to ruin it because before long it becomes about what I can and cannot do. God's grace is empowering in that it encourages me to step out. It's sufficient in the reality that it's all I need. Notice, if you will, Paul said in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 21, Thou, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You know, these are phrases that we skip over a lot of times when we're studying the Bible, be strong in grace. That's not something we spend a lot of time talking about. But I think it's something we ought to spend a lot of time talking about because that's where we're going to find the sufficiency, the strength, the courage, the motivation to step out on those difficult days is in not my ability to get up out of bed, not my ability to go restore the relationship, not my ability to control the tongue, but the grace of God and its sufficiency in giving me what I need to be able to step out and do what God's called me to do. That's where I get the strength is through God's grace. Knowing that He's made these promises to me, that when I do what He's asked me to do, His grace is going to cover me, His grace is going to strengthen me, His grace is all I need. It is a safety net, if you will. The Bible says here in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 19, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless, yet I live yet not I but Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me we've sung that song several times this week but notice what the Bible goes on to say after those words I do not frustrate the grace of God for if righteousness came by the law then Christ is dead in vain he said listen it's not my life it's a life that I've yielded to God I've completely and totally surrendered to him And it's his life to live through me. And I'm not going to frustrate that grace by trying to take control, by trying to take credit, by trying to be the one that has the source of power and strength. Because if righteousness comes by my ability to keep a law, then Christ died in vain. That's what he's saying. Righteousness didn't come that way. Your salvation didn't come because you were able to finally keep enough laws. The reality is is righteousness came by grace through faith. And it hasn't changed any as we learn to walk in Christ that we're going to find that safety net of grace that says, you know what? You can go try to fix this relationship. You can begin to try to control your tongue. You can begin to change the way you think because it's not about your ability to do it perfectly because you're not going to do it perfectly. It's about you surrendering and striving to do it. Not using grace as a crutch, not using grace as a license to sin, but as the power, as the encouragement, as the safety net to know that when I strive to live for God, He's there for me. You know, I, I think of think, uh, when I think of this, uh, of walking a tightrope, I don't know if you would be brave enough to step out on that tightrope. This guy's got a harness on. There are some people... They would take off on a tightrope like this and wouldn't put the harness on, wouldn't put the safety net on, and just run completely as fast as they could across there. Those people usually end up hurt or dead. Sometimes we treat grace that way. We try to abuse it and try to take advantage of it. And those people usually end up spiritually hurt or spiritually dead trying to play a game with God's grace. But some people... Now, if this was real life and we were over this mountain and I was over at the ledge... You would have to say, Mike, you're going to have to let go. (laughs) No, I'm not. When I first started working for a construction company, we built 90-foot towers, uh, scaffolds in the air, and would tie them together. And my boss would always yell up to me, you have to let go with one hand to do any work. And I was like, nope, watch me. I'll do it with my teeth. Wasn't comfortable up there doing it, and I didn't want to let go, and I wasn't effective working. You know, it's not about being so scared that we're afraid to step out but it's also not about being so careless that we run without any safety. Grace is that balancing act, if you will. That middle ground, my faith, grace through faith is that middle ground that says, listen, I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to trust the promises of God. I'm not going to run recklessly across there, not taking attention to what God said, but I'm going to bring those together in balance. And by grace through faith, I can press on in this battle. I can address the issues that are facing me because that faith is exactly what allows me to access that grace. In Romans chapter 5, beginning there in verse 1, the Bible says, Therefore being justified by faith. Not that faith in and of itself has the power to save me, but when I do what God's asked me to do, I've been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into the grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, experience hope, and hope make us not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Notice he talks about how we access that grace that we stand in is by faith by living in such a way that says, God, I trust your promises, and I'm going to demonstrate to you that I trust your promises by doing what you've asked me to do. And he says that we rejoice in that not only in tribulations in those difficult times, but also in patience, knowing that we need the staying power and that we develop experience and hope. And all of these things, it's exactly what we're talking about when he says we glory in tribulations. He's not going, yay, I've hit the wall, yay, I'm not seeing the growth I thought I would see. He's saying I, by faith, press through those things. That even though I don't see the progress... Even though I don't think I'm good enough, even though I've got all these challenges to my faith, all these challenges to continue to press on, I'm still going to wake up each day and I'm going to keep doing what God called me to do. I'm going to take it step by step. You know, we've talked a lot this week about diets or we've used a lot of illustrations about diets and about exercises and, and, and kind of made some parallels to what we're talking about. I've learned a new acronym, and some of you may know this acronym when it comes to the dieting world, and it's called POP, P-O-P. Some of you that may know that, you, you might have heard that before. That acronym means perfectly on protocol. When someone says a diet isn't working for them, or that they've not been successful in this diet, losing weight, one of the first, per- one of the first questions they're asked by the expert of that diet is, are you POP, are you perfectly on protocol? You know, I'm convinced almost every diet out there will help you lose weight. Maybe not necessarily keep it off, but it will help you lose weight if you follow their diet exactly. But a lot of times people will try a diet and go, well, that diet doesn't work. And you go, well, did you follow it exactly? Well, no, because that diet said I couldn't have any chocolate whatsoever, and that's not happening in my world. And so we modify that diet, and then we throw blame at the diet for failing to help us lose weight. But if we'd have followed that diet perfectly, it probably would have done what it said it would have done. Most of them will. I think if we want to talk about finishing strong as Christians, if we want to get past the walls, get through the wintertime, it comes down to accessing grace through faith by being perfectly on protocol. That I'm doing what God called me to do. That I quit making the excuses. That I quit looking for the way out. But in those difficult days, especially in those difficult days, that I force myself to stay on protocol. That I do what God's asked me to do. And that's going to take me through that winter time. Notice, if you will, here in Titus chapter 2, begin there in verse 11. For the grace of God bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live, godly, or me, live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearance of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto him a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak, exhort, and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. You know, there's this balance that we're to have when we approach the Scripture. He said, listen, this grace teaches us that we're to live a certain way. Those are the promises of God that came and said, listen, if you'll do what I've asked you to do, then there's some value that you can put confidence in, some blessing that you're going to receive from me. But you've got to do something. You've got to access that faith by responding the way that God's called you to. You know, there's really, if you think about it, three phases of accessing grace or living by faith. And that is, number one, to start. You've got to take the first steps. When God said, listen, if your relationships aren't the way they're supposed to be, then this is the first step that you're to take to restore that relationship. There's that step that we've got to do, but that's not all there is. There is the next step of not only taking the first step, but continuing to walk in those steps whether you're dealing with sinful patterns in your life that you're trying to overcome, you've got to take that first step, but you've got to keep doing it over and over and over. Whatever those steps are, you've got to start, you've got to continue it all the way through, and the third step is to finish. You know, that's what a race is made of, isn't it? Everybody's lined up at the starting line, and they've got some guy over there with a gun, and he pops that trigger, and the first thing you do is everybody starts the race. And they run. That's the second step. They keep running. They don't just run one or two steps. They keep running till when? Till they finish the race. They teach them not to let up before the finish line, but to run through the finish line. So you have to start, you have to keep running, and then you have to finish. And that's what it means to live by faith. That's what it means to answer these challenges to our training by grace through faith, is to start the process. Do what God's told you to do in these challenging times. Keep doing it even though it's challenging. Keep pressing on even though you're not seeing what you think you should see. Keep going to the finish. That's what it means to live by grace through faith. Certainly grace has appeared to us teaching us to put off certain things to live a certain way. But it's faith that responds, faith that actually does what God tells us to do. And that's how we're going to be able to overcome these challenges when we've hit that wall. It is what motivates me, if you will, to know the grace of God in truth. Here in Colossians chapter 1, the Bible says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven wherever you have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, who is, which has come unto you, and is, it is in all of the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it does also in you, since the day you heard of it, and knew the grace of God and truth. Notice he said, it's going to bring forth fruit, just like it did in the very beginning, if you start the process, keep walking in that process, and push it forth to finish. When you began, it created fruit in you, and it will continue to create that fruit. We've got to get past what I think it should be and put my faith in God. God, you said it was going to happen. I don't know when, I don't know how, and I don't know where. But I'm going to continue to walk the way you've called me to walk. I'm going to continue to do the things you've told me to do to address these problems, to change who I am. And I put my faith in your promises that I'm going to become what you called me to become no matter how difficult the road is. A couple of last passages I want to share with you this morning about pressing through here. One that we've referenced many times this week. One of them is is James chapter 4, beginning here in verse 6. He says, but he gives more grace. We all need that grace. That's what saved us. It's what's going to save us. It's not about my strength, my ability to overcome sin. He says we need grace, and God's going to give that grace to us. How? Wherefore, he saith, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh unto God, and he'll draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. This is what we've been focused on this week, and that whole process is seen in this, you know, the discipleship. The call to righteousness demands me doing something. Yes, God's going to give grace. He says that several times. But who does He give it to? Those that humble themselves. Those that draw near to God. Those that respond in faith to the promises. Those that act faith as God has called me to. When I respond to the life situations the way God's called me to respond... I'm promised His grace. But when I respond to life through man-made solutions, when I respond to life and the challenges to my discipleship with my own thoughts and my own wisdom, I don't have a promise of grace anymore. Just as a lot of dieters will blame a diet for not working because they didn't follow it through, there's a lot of Christians that blame God for their failed life when they didn't follow God's plan through. They changed it and they altered it. God said, you go do this. And someone says, well, that doesn't work. I've had someone literally tell me Matthew 18 does not work anymore today. That was a quote. It just doesn't work. Well, I can tell you why your relationships are failed. I can tell you why there's struggle and strife in a lot of your relationships is because you won't do what God said to do. Don't blame God for your failed relationships. You won't handle them the way God told you to handle them. It's your fault. If you want grace, if you want peace in that relationship, you go do what God told you to do. It's not God's fault that you continue to struggle with sin that your tongue continues to be the way it's supposed to be when you won't do what God told you to do if you won't follow his prescription for bringing your tongue under control putting a bridle in it it's not God's fault that your mouth continues to gossip and backbite it's not family it's not the fault of whoever you hang out with it's your fault that you won't do what God told you to do if you want the grace you have to act in faith. And so when I'm struggling and when I'm battling, what God's called me to do is to do what He's told me to do. Even if I don't see the value, even if I don't see it paying, away, paying off immediately, I trust in the grace of God. It's a cycle, if you will, that He talks about here in James chapter 4. He says you start by humbling yourself to recognize that it's not about you that you humble yourself and you cry out to God that you need his help, you need his grace, you need his mercy, and you draw near to God. And we've talked about how we could do that this week. But that's not all there is to the process. Cleanse your hands. Take care of the outside of the body. Wash the body. Battle those sins that deal with how you live and how you conduct yourself. But not just there. Purify your heart. Cleanse the inside. Take away the thought process. Change the thought process. Not just think about different things, but learn to think differently. And that leads us right back to, as I learn to think differently, I'm going to humble myself and draw closer to God. And I'm going to clean more of my life up. And I'm going to continue To change the way I think. This is the process. That I engage in this battle. Not that my name could be lifted up. Not that people think I'm great. But through this process I become what God called me to become. Because I'm responding to His grace through faith. There will be difficult days where I don't think I see changes in me. There will be difficult days where it feels like I did nothing but fail all day long and take steps backwards. That happens to everybody. We engage again in the process. Humble ourselves, draw near to God, cleanse our hands, purify our hearts. Even when I fail, even when I've hit the wall, I keep doing this. Because the promise of God is, is that I can do more with your life than you could ever recognize. I don't know where you see yourself in a year from now as a Christian. What knowledge you think you could have. What strength spiritually you think you could have. I don't know where you see yourself. I know this. God can take what you see and make it happen beyond measure. In the book of Habakkuk, there's a very interesting quote. Habakkuk has been complaining to the Lord about everything that's going on. And he says, How long, Lord? How long are you going to let the heathen rage? How long are all these problems going to happen? And God says, Behold you among the heathen and regard. He says, Look at the heathen. Take a good hard look and wonder marvelously. For I will work a work in your days which you will not believe though I told or though it be told you. You know what God's saying is, Listen, I know you think it looks bad. I know you think everything around you is just going crazy. But take a good hard look, and here's what's fixing to happen. I'm about to do an amazing work among those heathen that if I told you, you wouldn't even believe it. You would look at me and go, no way, God, that can't happen. He said, I'm fixing to do that. I want to tell you, I believe that's true in your life too as a Christian. That God, if you will let him through faith, will work a marvelous work in your life. You wouldn't even believe it if someone could come up to you and say, hey, listen, in a year from now, here's where you'll be spiritually if you'll surrender yourself to God completely. No, that can't happen. (laughs) That's not possible for me to be there. I can't grow that way. I'll never be that person. Which you will not believe. You know, the New Testament contains a very similar promise to you and I. As the book of Ephesians chapter 3 is being closed, The Bible says, Now unto him that is able to exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. God can accomplish in your life more than you think is possible. I love this passage because he says, Exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think. What have you asked God for in your life? you asked Him to know more about the Scriptures? To be able to understand them, to memorize them, to meditate on them? Have you asked God to help you apply them to your life? Have you asked God to help you overcome sin? A sinful habit, a sinful pattern? Have you asked God to change how you think? Have you asked Him to restore relationships? He said, I can do above all that you ask or think abundantly above He can take the ruined life that I've created and He can make it glorify Him according to the power that works in us. Yeah, there's difficulties out there and there's challenges to your faith. There's challenges it's pressing on. You're going to hit the wall. You're going to feel tired. You're going to get caught up in trying to validate your existence as a Christian. You're going to see days where there's not visible growth. But the answer is, press on through faith trusting the promises of God that that grace will be there to change you that grace will be there to glorify God and do above all that you can ask or think the study's yours this morning, hope the things that we've covered this week have been beneficial to you hope that as you prepare to uh, if you're a member of this congregation I know what you're going to do next week, you're going to sit down and take a big breath and go I can relax a little bit we've had a hard week and you've earned it I want you to know I believe you've earned it all of you have beautiful beautiful week of work but as you began to pick up from that many little break and we began to press on in the battle here in the community of Denton for the souls of men to glorify our lives I hope the things that we've talked about about pressing on by grace through faith will help you as you go forward that you're able to overcome those difficult days and press on. Maybe today is a day that you've realized that you've not been engaged in the battle. That you've not been following by faith the protocol that God set. And you're ready to re-engage. You're ready to pick up that battle. And you'd like not my strength and not the strength of the church, but the strength of grace, God's grace, to press on in that battle. If you'd like to. Ask Christ to bless you with that. If you have any spiritual need that Christ can meet for you, we'd be honored to be your servant this morning and help you take that need to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We simply ask you to make that need known by sitting on his front pews as we stand now to sing this song.